This is section 10 of More Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Keokuk Daily Post, November 29, 1856. Read by John Greenman. For the Post, Snodgrass, Ride on the Railroad. Cincinnati, November 14th. Mr. Editors. Well, now, dang me skin if I don't feel rather curse so far from home and all them that's dear to me as the boarding school gals say the first time they write to their friends still i ain't taken on about it to speak of all the difference i can see is i feel a little more religious maybe when i get a little sick than i used to you know arter going down there to st louis and seeing so many wonderful things i wanted to see more so i took a notion to go a traveling so as to see the world and then write a book about it a kind of daily journal like and have all in gold on the back of it snodgrass's diary or something that kind like other authors that visits fern parts i couldn't keep still so at last i went and got a map so as to find out the shortest way to cincinnati and after examining of it carefully i come to the conclusion that about the best way was to go back to keokuk and from keokuk to quincy and from quincy to chicago and from chicago to indianapolis and then down to the end of my ultimate destination and the result of it all is that i'm here safe and sound and i would recommend everybody to take the same road and derned if they won't see sights now as i'm going to say something about this voyage i guess i'll commence at keokuk being as that's the general starting point of the inhabitants of north america i went down one night to the railroad office there pretty close on to the lackleed house and bought about a quire of yaller paper cut up into tickets one for each railroad in the united states i thought but i found out arterwards that the alexandria and boston air line was left out and then got a baggage feller to take my trunk down to the boat where he spilled it out on the levee, busting it open and shaking out the contents, consisting of guides to Chicago and guides to Cincinnati and traveler's guides and all kinds of such books, not excepting a guide to heaven, which last ain't much use to a feller in Chicago, I can tell you. Finally, that thire fast packet quit ringing her bell and started down the river, but she hadn't gone more'n a mile till she run clean up on top of a sandbar where she stuck till plumb one o'clock spite of the captain swearing and they had to set the whole crew to cussin' at last afore they'd got her off that sandbar was a aggravating thing anyhow as we was running a race with an old feller with a carpet bag who calculated it was good exercise to walk to quincy and he got about half a day's start of us however when we did get off you ought to seen that old steamboat slingin' sand with them wheels of ern. She'd got her Irish up now, and didn't cure a scratch for bars and nothin' else, and away she went a-walkin' down the river in four inches of water, and jumpin' over three-acre patches of dry land just as though she had legs. The old man and her had a mighty tight race of it, and she only saved herself by takin' a nigh cut across the bottom, comin' in fifteen minutes ahead. We had to get off the boat here and go in the omnibuses to the cars my fare down to quincy was a dollar and a quarter and porterage about four dollars and a half which is mighty moderate and people oughtn't to complain 
for though the packet company makes money they can't afford to hire porters at ten dollars a month and no reasonable human being could expect to have his overcoat carefully preserved into the baggage room while he's eating dinner without paying a quarter for it it's worth nine cents a minute when we got to the depot i went around to get a look at the iron hoss thunderation it wasn't no more like a hoss than a meeting-house if i was going to describe the animal i'd say it looked like darn it if i know what it looked like unless it was a regular old he-devil snorting fire and brimstone out of his nostrils and puffing out black smoke all around and panting and heaving and swelling and a-chawing up red-hot coals like they was good a feller stood in a little house like feeding him all the time but the more he got the more he wanted and the more he blowed and snorted after a spell the feller catched him by the tail and great jericho he set up a yell that split the ground more'n a mile and a half and the next minute i felt my legs a wagging and i found myself t'other end of the string of vehicles and i wasn't skeered but i had three chills and a stroke of palsy in less than five minutes and my face had a curious brownish yellow green bluish color in it which was perfectly unaccountable well says i comment is superfluous and i took my seat in the nearest wagon or car as they call it a consarned great long steamboat looking thing with a string of little pews down each side big enough to hold about a man and a half just as i sat down the hoss hollered twice and started off like a streak pitching me head first at the stomach of a big irish woman and she give a tremendous grunt and then kitched me by the head and crammed me under the seat and when i got out and staggered to another seat the cars was a jumpin and a tearin along at nine to forty thousand miles an hour and everybody was a bobbin up and down like a mill saw and every wretch of em had his mouth stretched wide open and looked like they was a laughin but i couldn't hear nothin the cars kept such a racket by and by they stopped all at once and then such a laugh busted out of them passengers as i never hearn before laughin at me too that's what made me mad and i was mad as thunder too i riz up and shakin my fist at him says i ladies and gentlemen look a here i'm a peaceable stranger and away went the train went like the smallpox was in town jerkin me down in a seat with a whack like i'd been thrown from the moon and their cussed mouths flopped open and the fellers went to bobbin up and down again i put on an air of magnanimous contempt like and took no more notice of them and very naturally went to bobbin up and down myself i just took a peep out to the winder and drat my buttons but i wasn't astonished at the way that railroad was a gettin over the ground i tell you mr editors it made a rail fence look like a fine-tooth comb and the air actually turned blue in the vicinity thinks i if that devil at the other end of the train's going home tonight it won't take him long to get there by and by the second clerk came a-staggering in hollering tickets tickets when he came to me i told him i wasn't going to stop i was going to chicago well give me your ticket not by a dern sight says i you can't come any of them tricks on me old feller you can't get my ticket and then stick me ashore at the first wood yard your old cook stove stops at first he got mad and then he got tickled but when he found he wasn't making much he liked to scared me to death threatened to throw me overboard 
so i yielded in a condescending manner and traded my yaller ticket for a red one which wasn't sunday-school fashion where you get ten red tickets for one of t'other color arter that he made a regular practice of coming in every two minutes hollering tickets it's my opinion he's a darn nuisance and ought to be turned out of the company if a feller was to travel on that road for a week that clerk and the peanut boy would pester him to death between em it didn't take me long to get used to the cars and then i begun to put on airs like an old traveler sticking my feet over the back of the next pew putting my ticket in my hat-band pretending to go to sleep and so on and never letting on to cure a cent where we was going to so when a feller asked me if i thought we would make the connection not wanted to appear green i told him no darn the connection but i couldn't imagine what that connection meant nohow another feller asked me what was the next town and i told him chicago i didn't know the name of any other place on the road and i had to tell him something to keep up appearances and the blasted fool got off there served him right he'd no business going so far away from home without having his mother along at last after skimming over a pooty big arm of lake michigan they call it where i couldn't see nothing solid for the cars to rest on we got to that place chicago which they say is old nick's local agency for the world the cars run into a tremendous house about as big as warsaw and as soon as they stopped more than three hundred fellers come a-crackin their whips around and hollerin baggage for the massasoit house and carriages for united states hotel and passengers for the little miami railroad here's carriage for galena and chicago railroad gentlemen going east take southern michigan indiana railroad and so on every feller hollerin as loud as the very dickens would let him directly a feller commenced yellin this way gentlemen this way with your checks this way then another feller commenced grabbin up trunks and looking at a brass thing hangin to him and hollerin out the number he found on it then as soon as some feller in the crowd would hand him in a number like it he'd slam the trunk down with all his might in the depot and he was a pooty strong feller too two hundred and forty-two norn cross here two forty-two slam goes the trunk nine hundred and sixty-eight glean in chicago nine sixty-eight four hundred and thirty-seven little noise central all right four three seven say let that baggage alone where's my hat oh thunder who's seen my wife gentlemen going south take seats in the train at the far side of depot going east take seats in cars on middle track put down that trunk belongs to michigan central you're a liar you're another and away they go at it pitching into each other like dogs till the depot police pitches into them and takes them off to the watch house now it's amusing to notice how careful them fellers is with baggage that's a kind of sarcastified remark understand i see him knock a hole in the floor three-inch oak plank with a trunk not much bigger'n a carpet sack and that's an unpolished fact i shivered there considerable of a spell waitin for my baggage and finally got the bottom half of my trunk what had the check on it and by and by my valise made its appearance with shirts and cravats hangin out at one end and socks and collars at t'other lookin considerable like a irishman that's just got out of a new orleans lection riot and durn my cats if i'd a knowed it was a valise at all 
only for a piece of my name what got left on the end of it by mistake i suppose for it didn't look no more like that article than a steamboat after i got the balance of my trunk i shoved out for the massasoit house and put up for a spell i know it's fashionable to describe hotels and tell how much they cost but i reckon it ain't necessary for me to do so especially as don't know nothing about that hotel only they charge enough chicago's a great place but i ain't going to say nothing about it only just this that when you feel like telling a feller to go to the devil tell him to go to chicago it'll answer every purpose and is perhaps a little more expensive next day i started for cincinnati and as this letter is growed pooty long i'll only say that there is more blacksmith shops in indiana than anywhere else in the world and i calculate we stopped at every dern one there was the whole state the cars would run about three hundred yards and holler and stop and so on till we got to indianapolis and took the midnight thunder lightning train and arter that we come a tearin down here at the rate of four hundred and thirty seven miles a minute leaving the rail track red-hot behind us in some places it melted yours what's left of me snodgrass this letter was also printed in the keokuk saturday post of december sixth eighteen fifty six end of keokuk daily post november twenty ninth eighteen fifty six read by john greenman